Are there really angels and demons? Is there a real person known as the devil? Is there something deeper? Is there an unseen battle waging for the souls of this blue planet? If so, then how do we respond? In this series, Pastor Ronnie answers those questions and more as we look at what the Bible says about angels, demons, and spiritual warfare. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And that was the reading of the word of God. Welcome to Audacity Church. You glad you're here this morning? Worship good, huh? I love entering into the throne room of heaven and just making much of the name of Jesus. And uh, so I'm sure there's two questions that you have. One is, why did he show a clip from the movie 300? Great question. Number two is, is that what Pastor Ronnie looks like with shirt off? So you're probably not thinking that, actually. You're like, Ronnie has one ab. They look like they have several abs. So uh, I've been working on my one for almost 38 years. I'm pretty proud of it. It's quite strong. So if you are our guest today, if it's the first time in a long time, man, we are glad you're here. We're wrapping up a series uh, called Invisible War. And if you haven't been with us, man, go onto our website and uh, check out the podcast and uh, just listen to uh, how we've broken down 10 verses over the last four weeks. We've looked at what uh, my beautiful wife read a little bit earlier in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 20, and uh, we've spent uh, the last few weeks breaking those down, and we're going to end in the last portion of that scripture. And uh, so before we do, why don't we stand together, if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, turn them to Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to read the portion of scripture over you today uh, that then I will uh, do the best that I possibly can as applying some good old biblical exegesis to this portion of scripture. So Ephesians 10, chapter 6, I'm in Luke, I don't know how that happened, I don't know how that happened, got excited, already moving on, we're going to start reading in verse 15. Uh, I lied, 16. Let's do that. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you that we get to call you Abba. Man, it's, um, 
a privilege that we don't take lightly around here. That we, we, we are your sons and your daughters. And uh, you've adopted us into your, your family. And, but it came at much, much too high of a cost for us to take it flippantly. We thank you for sending Jesus to uh, die in our place so that we could receive salvation through faith in him. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that's actively moving in our lives. Father, I just um, offer this time of going through the Bible to you. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross and that I would speak boldly um, what you've prepared my heart to speak. And uh, Father, we pray that uh, you would be glorified in everything that is said today. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The reason I showed you the movie 300 is because it's hard for to see if you don't know exactly what they were doing. The Romans actually uh, created something called the tortoise. And if you want to know what the tortoise is, Lee's going to throw it on the screen. The tortoise is a, a, a way that they would fight and engage in battle. That's how the Romans rolled. Let me just explain to you how strong and indefensible this was. In order to test it, they would roll chariots over that. I don't know which dude got that job, right? But he's like, I'm in the tortoise testing line? like, I need to get a promotion, seriously. But that was, that's one of the things that they did. And what I want you to notice, this is key for you, for me today, is that one person by themselves doesn't make a great tortoise. I want you to see that it is an army of people together doing life and battle together. I said this in the opening week, and I'm going to say it again. I know the statistics say that it's three-quarters of, and I'm going to use air quotes because they're cool, three-quarters of Christians don't believe in the devil. They don't believe in the adversary. They don't believe that he's a real person, a real being. They don't believe that he's a fallen angel. They don't believe in real evil. And I think this is why, because most people, especially Western, this is really only a problem in the Western Hemisphere, by the way. It's us weak uh, Christians. Um, you know, it's like, well, I don't know if I want to really share my faith at work because, you know, some people might not tolerate that. Hey, uh, just by the way, if you're keeping track, uh, yesterday was Pastor Saeed's third year in prison. He celebrated his third anniversary of sharing the gospel in prison yesterday. So uh, send me an email later and tell me how bad it is for you and your boldness and you declaring the word of God in your community that God's got you plugged into, whether it's your family, whether it's your place of employment. We call ourselves Christians and then we ignore the spiritual battle that's all around us and we do it because we have the ostrich syndrome. And I've said this every week and I'm going to go ahead and say it again. I don't want you to think for a second that if you don't fight, you won't have to. Because you're in an active war right now for your family, for your soul, for your friends, and we take it flippantly. D.L. Moody was once asked why his ministry 
was so successful and why the anointing of God was moving through this pastor in Chicago. And D.L. Moody took the person that asked the question and they went and looked out the window and they says, hey, what, tell me what you see. And he says, I see people in a park. I see people enjoying themselves. And D.L. Moody began to cry and said, I see souls who will spend eternity separated from God if they don't know Jesus. We're in a real battle. And whatever you do with that and how you apply it to your Christian walk is important. And so today we're going to look at the last few pieces of the armor. I'm not going to be able to elaborate them on the way that I wish that I could, but I want to do a good job. We've said this as well. We believe that the Apostle Paul, we know he was in prison, and we believe that he probably used the Roman soldier that he's chained to as some form of model for us to pull from. But we've also said that Paul is also quoting from the Old Testament. I firmly believe that every New Testament scripture could have the little hyperlink, the HTTP, but it would take you somewhere back in the Old Testament to show you how prophecy was fulfilled, to show you how God's new law of grace and the new covenant that we have in Christ, it's, he's always pointing back. And so Paul, although I believe he is talking to us about a Roman soldier, he is also hyperlinking, if you will, to back to somewhere in the original Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, of a place where God has already set these precedents where the nation of Israel was already covered in this armor. And then we, as followers of Jesus, have this same um, privilege and responsibility. We looked last week, and the challenge was put on the whole armor of God. Now, depending on which denomination that you are raised in, and we have a plethora at Audacity. Uh, it is, it's awkward, man. I mean, uh, I, I can't see anybody right now. I can see a few people, but we have uh, charismaniacs. Come on, yeah, where are we at, right? Right, a little Pentecostal in us. Uh, we have some very conservative Baptists whose parents weren't even allowed to wear shorts. <laughs> awkward. And then um, we, have, we have people that had a Catholic background. I mean, it is absolutely mind-numbing, all of our backgrounds. But what I've noticed about different sects, if you will, or denominations, is they all have, like, their favorite part of the armor. Like, I'm rocking in one piece, right? And that's how we roll. And, and, and Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. He doesn't say, hey, pick up your favorite and learn it really well. He tells us, challenges us to put on the whole thing. And so we're wrapping up the whole thing. The reason I'm telling you that is because you need part one of, or well, you need all three parts, but you need last week's part one of the armor to understand part two of this week. Enough with the introduction. Some of you probably have lunch plans. In the Art of War, which was written before Jesus was even born, it says this. So it is said that if you know your enemies and you know yourself, you can win a hundred battles without a single loss. If you know yourself but not your opponent, you may win or you may lose. If you know neither yourself nor your enemy, you will always endanger yourself. Not knowing the spiritual battle you're in, not recognizing the significance of arming yourself every day is really endangering yourself. And I believe that. I believe there are days that I endanger myself. I do. Verse whatever. Take up the shield of faith. It says, take up the shield of faith so that you can extinguish all the flaming darts. 
The shield of a, a Roman a soldier was two feet by four feet. Um, and it was used, it was something that they could move. It was something that could protect them at any angle. It is um, used, as we saw there in, in the movie 300, to block thrust and then to push them away. It's, it's, it, the shield of faith can help create space in your life. The shield of faith can sometimes help you um, have some margin in your spiritual walk. The Christian, field, the Christian shield of faith stands in the gap of where we need it to when we are actively engaging in battle. And the psalmist said this, You bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Do you know some of you don't even see the favor of God in your life because you refuse to recognize his goodness? Yeah, one of those weeks, one of the, like this week, Tyson almost preached. Found out we would have found out Friday. He would have been happy about that. So, what kind of week I had? It was one of those weeks where it's like it was supposed to be this unbelievable, most epic three-day writing retreat for this book in January, and blah blah blah, and it was so hard. <laughs> I don't do well in solitude. Like me and the lake and annoying birds that sing and quack the whole time. And then, hold on, you guys are like, man, Ronnie, I would do anything for three days by myself in the woods. Yeah, because you're weird. God bless you. I was there trying to be productive. And I'm telling you, I was praying over this church, praying over my family in fear and doubt and anxiety and that that's all that consumed me in this moment of spiritual solitude where it's me and Jesus and my Mac computer. And you know how I got through that this week? I reminded myself of every blessing that God has given me. I drove down there with a car with doesn't have air conditioning. You guys know the car story, right? It's a beautiful with the beater. I mean, God bless it. I'm glad it gets me from point A to point B. I, the windows don't roll down, which makes it worse. And so I'm driving an hour just like trying to pray. Oh, Jesus, bless me this week. I'm sweating. Should I take off my shirt? I mean, it's awkward. And this whole time, and then when, I, when, when the adversary starts to come and he starts to throw seeds of doubt and fear and anxiety, I just start thanking him for everything that God's given me. I just start raising my shield and putting it up to protect me and saying, hey, throw some fiery darts my way. It's okay because I'm going to always see the goodness of God. We don't see the shield that covers us as favor because we refuse, no, excuse me, we continue to focus on the have-nots. We continue to focus on what we don't have instead of looking to Jesus and saying, you are all I need. You know, I want a whole lot more. A couple more zeros in the savings account would be cool. You know, just like one more zero would be really nice. Ten bucks is all I really need. I mean, that'd be cool. It'd be really cool. Right? And that's what we focus on. We cry about a car with no air condition. When if I had my horse, which I don't have, it would have taken me like days to get there. Right? And you guys know how great I am at the outdoors, you know. I wouldn't have went. The shield of faith is there to protect us. The Proverbs, the wisdom of Solomon says this. 
Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his word, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. We get the promises of the word of God. We get to stand on those that says that God is for us. He's not against us. Scripture has the audacity, pun intended, to call us friends of God. And what do we do? Are we let our our faith get shaken? See, we, we have this false picture of spiritual warfare like it's in a field with a meadow and there's flowers blooming and a creek babbling. No, it's, it's, it's a real war. And we take it flippantly. Maybe you guys don't because you're better than me. There's a persistent effort to weaken your faith. Faith, um, here's how your faith is challenged. It's challenged with um, temptation, right? I mean, just there, temptation to doubt, temptation to covet, temptation to lust, temptation to be prideful. There's a temptation for guilt. He's, he's sowing seeds of guilt. You never can do be used by God because of this. Guys, whenever you confess your sin, the Bible says that he is just and faithful to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So whatever you did, it's done. Jesus paid too high a price for your sin. When you confess it to him, when you ask for forgiveness and being brought right into back, man, where's my tongue today? Be brought back into right relationship with him. Forgiven. Don't let the guilt and the shame of your past hinder your future. God's got a bright one for you. Oh, it's good. There's going to be challenges. Yeah, we're in a battle. We're in a war. And if you've been a Christian for any longer time, or if you've hung around this great, crazy group of Christians, you're probably wounded. I'm going to let you down. Newsflash. Don't place me on too high of a pedestal. I don't want to break something when I fall. Seriously. We're going to fall. And, and, and we're going to stumble. But our faith rests in the finished work of Jesus. Not something that you or I have done. Your faith can't be shaken. Your faith is, uh, we get... Fiery darts of doubt and fear and anxiety and depression. And they harass us. And the shield of faith must stand in its place to protect us from those things that are coming. And to be honest, some of your wounds, we keep picking at them. You ever known a scab picker? It's kind of gross, right? You've seen it, right? You know who they are. You're like, oh yeah, that one guy in school I had to sit next to. And that's what we do. Who is Christians? Well, the church hurt me once. Well, guess what? They're probably going to hurt you again because it's filled with imperfect people. This isn't a holy place for perfected saints. It's a hospital for sinners trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. My clock is not here, so you guys are in trouble. 
Romans 8 says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Listen to this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not be able also with graciously give us all things? For I am sure, I am convinced... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Will you take up your shield of faith and realize that nothing is going to separate you from the love of God? That promotion doesn't come through. No big deal. God loves you just the same and he's got a plan for you. That relationship that you're in is in turmoil because you married a knucklehead. I promise he can't help himself. He's just wired that way. God did it to grow your faith. That's why he did it. Kenya's laughing because he's still single. Ashley, we're praying for you. And the point is... The point is, is that what, this is what we do. We get into these things and we start to doubt. We start to have insecurities. And we think that something that we can possibly do can separate us from the love of God. And it can't. The helmet of salvation. And this is the beginning of the battleground. Is the thoughts of your mind. This is the birthplace of every battle for every Christian. Is your mind. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having on the breastplate of faith and love, and the helmet of the hope of salvation. Ephesians put this this way, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God. Hebrews 7 says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Have you ever got your head whacked? Like when you saw stars? Has anybody seen stars? It's freaky, isn't it? You're like, what in the world was that? This is what happens to us. We get our heads knocked, and we start to begin to question everything. We start to begin to question our salvation. We start to begin to question the finished work of Christ, and we question everything. The helmet of salvation is not only designed to rest in our security, but it's there to protect our minds. A weak and faithless mind is a dangerous mind for a Christian. The helmet is connected to salvation. I don't believe there's any coincidence. The confidence we place in our salvation protects us from those things like doubt, fear, insecurity, the beginning of those. You are not resting on your own moral record. I've met so many religious people, God bless them, that that's really what they, they, they like, that their moral record is what they think gets them into heaven. It's the finished work of the blood that was shed on Calvary. That's what gets you into heaven. Nothing else. You'd be the greatest person on earth. Without Jesus, you live separated from him for all eternity. The sword of the spirit. I'm pretty sure this is most people's favorite weapon. I mean, I totally understand this, but I believe it's an ideological flaw. Uh, We like offense in our culture. Right? Our culture, we like, uh, uh, what do we, we like, it's sexy. We like touchdowns. We like home runs. We like to know um, scoring champions. Who's the score? Who scored the most points 
For those of you that are fans of the NFL, what wins championships? Holy hallelujah. Defense. For, that really went over. I had it going over better in my notes here. Defense wins championships. You can't win. You can have. You have to have a great offense, but you don't win without a good defense. Who cares? You just put up a hundred points. If the other team puts up a hundred and five, you lose. This is the same with our walk with Christ. We have to have a great defense, and that's all the armor that we put on to protect ourselves. I do believe that the sword of the spirit is important, but in our culture. Um, we like to glorify things, and so we glorify offense. This is the only offensive weapon in the spiritual armor that's listed, which I find fascinating. I don't believe that the um, Apostle Paul, when he's writing, is like saving the best for last. Like I don't think that was his intention. I think he was showing us how we needed to wear the armor so that when we did carry the sword, when we got to the sword of the Spirit, that we were ready to engage Second Timothy says this, Remind them of these things and charge them before God to not quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. The psalmist says that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. John says this, well, it's Jesus praying in what's called the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. He says to sanctify them with the word. Hebrews 4.12 says this. That's why one of the reasons I believe that the Apostle Paul probably wrote Hebrews, but um, it could have been a plethora of other guys. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing of the soul of spirit of joint and marrow. The Roman sword was called uh, a machara. And the machara was only 24 inches long. Now, here's what's fascinating about it. It was revolutionary as far as battle and strategy and tactics go. The Roman soldier would carry a heavy spear, a lighter spear, his shield, okay, his belt of truth, his helmet, and then he would carry this sword. And it was the first sword that was sharpened on both sides. Most swords at that time were longer. Some of them were curved, but all of them were only sharpened on one side. And it was this blunted sword that Rome overthrows the world with. And what I think the Apostle Paul is wanting us to know is that it's really important that we learn to be good stewards of the sword. There's so many Christians that live this a la carte Christianity where they pull one verse and then don't read the verse before it or after it to take it into context. And if you want to learn how to do that better, you need to be at 201. Whether I teach it or somebody else teaches it, it teaches you how to rightly divide the word of truth. We just teach you how to love God through reading and through prayer. But that's what so many, and, and I'm guilty of it. Where you, you, and I really, let me, I want you to find a scripture. I do want you to put the, hide the word of God in your heart. I want you to put, pour, teach scripture over your life or speak it over your life. I think all of that is important. But make sure you're taking these promises in context. Make sure that you understand how to use the sword of the Spirit. All of the armor must be practiced, especially in advance of a battle. If God is leading you here or you're a part of this team, man, let me just 
People are like, Ronnie, you always scare people off. This is a church plant. We're on the front grounds of impacting our city. We're in the beginning stages. It takes a church plant three to five years. We're not even safe until year five, and then statistically we drop a little bit. So we need your help for the next two years. We're still figuring things out. I'm not getting any better looking, I don't think. Ashley likes the gray. I think it's weird. Uh, But I am trying to become a better communicator of the gospel of truth. I pray that you would pray for me to have boldness. But this, when we are active, we are on the front lines right now. Whenever you gave your heart and life to Christ, you were just basically ushered into spiritual warfare in a battle that's real. And this is what the adversary does. When God blesses you, you begin to take those blessings for granted, and then you just pretend like you don't need biblical community. It's scary. Because as we looked at the tortoise earlier, it's really, really hard to do alone. I say almost impossible. John Wesley said that the Bible knows nothing of a solitary religion. You're basically behind enemy lines. That's tough. In closing, I'm going to close this out. As Pastor Tyson says, I'm going to land the plane. When I was studying the armor, one of the things that I found peculiar to me, it was just interesting. Prayer isn't listed as really a piece of armor. It's not. And so you, you, you kind of meditate. Like, I love like one and two words in the Bible. Like, I'm fascinated by them. I'm like, man. Well, <clears throat> everything that we've looked at for the last two weeks, specifically, when we've looked at the armor, every one of them has been tied to another piece of the armor. And then we get to prayer. And it just says, pray at all times in the spirit. Man, so for me, because of, you know, partly because I have obsessive compulsive disorder, the other part, because I'm really curious and I also, I want to present truth. I've just meditated on this. I was processing, what is this? What, why, what does this mean? Like we, we, we have all these lists of the things and we can kind of apply them and then prayer is put there kind of at the end and like I'm trying to process this and it doesn't make sense like some people say oh well it's the sword of the spirit I'm like no I, I, I could see that but it's not listed that way so I start reading and I'm like man what does this mean as a Christian we are to pray filled with the spirit of God so that our prayer life will guide us into all areas of truth. You can't make it as a follower of Christ without prayer. So I start thinking through it. And so this is what I this is what truth I want to speak over to you. Do you know what prayer is? Prayer is the heavy artillery. Prayer is rolling in the tanks before you as the soldier get into the battle. See, prayer is like a, a bomb bomb cruiser. I don't know what they're called. Psst, okay, you know? And uh, they go in before and kind of just like clear the way. That's what prayer does. Do you realize that right now in this moment with Jesus that you could be covering the persecuted church in prayer? Do you know right now in this moment 
You could be praying over your child and who they pick as a spouse. And I know that's weird, especially when they're like two. But you could already be actively engaging, putting it out. You could already be active in spiritual warfare just by prayer. You can move in the heavy artillery through prayer. Let's be honest. We don't pray. Why? It doesn't make a difference. Many times I've prayed for something and God did just the opposite. I've been doing this a long time. I don't really need prayer. I can make it through today. You know, if you and I sat down, and you probably would have to do it uh, whenever, you know, I was in sales and I was a pastor because you lie to me now, which is fine. I ask you how your prayer life is. You're like, oh, it's good. Like, like, like it's good, good? Like you and Jesus are good, good? Like you are praying? Yeah, 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 yeah. When was the last time you prayed? Last night before I went to bed? Okay. Prayer is an ongoing conversation. In First Thessalonians... I don't know if we have the scripture or not. I think it's chapter 5, verse something. It says that to pray without ceasing. And there's a weird word that's used there. Without ceasing, is a, it could be translated the same word as whenever someone had the whooping cough. It's a constant state. <clears throat> pray without ceasing. You can be making a difference today in the lives of those around you. Maybe there's somebody in your life that needs the gospel to transform them. You can be actively engaging right now, all day long in prayer, and we don't pray. I don't think it makes a difference. You know when we pray? We pray when we've done everything that we know how to do. I'm at my wit's end. I probably should bring it before Jesus now. You guys not like me? That's not when you do it? You know, whenever you pray, you pray whenever you find yourself in a circumstance that if God doesn't move, you don't know what's going to happen. Ah, I guess I'll bring it to you now. (laughs) Or my personal favorite, once I've made a gigantic mess of something, I'm like, oh, oh. Hey, I know I didn't consult you before this, but if you wouldn't mind going ahead and straighten it out and fixing it for me. If we're honest, that's when we pray, right? We, we do, we, our lives are not saturated in prayer. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wanted us to think about prayer in a unique way. That it's always going before. That it covers everything. And that it's available to you no matter where you are. Would you pray? Martin Luther said this, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Try not breathing for a few minutes. (laughs) I just heard my son gasp. It's not going to work. And yet, if you're anything like me, I'll put on the helmet of salvation. I'll wear the breastplate of righteousness. I know what Christ has done for me. I wear the belt of truth and I stand firm in scripture. I believe the Bible is the living word of God. It is inspired by God. I have my feet ready to take the gospel wherever, the gospel of peace, wherever Jesus wants me to go. And I love to rightly divide the word. I love to consume the word of God. And if I'm honest, this week, I can get so busy like you can. 
Or let me just give you the spiritual pastoral answer. I think it's sometimes more, I believe this, I don't think this is true, but I believe this by my actions. I believe it's more beneficial for me to read some book by Tim Keller and study some great deep theological principle than to actually spend like two hours in prayer covering us, right? Because you have the same responsibility over your families, over your friends, over your co-workers. You know, I was going through the list of people that call Audacity home, and I don't know where half of them are today, but God bless them, pray for them, seriously. And I was going through the list of people that I know that haven't given their heart and life to Christ, and I'm just crying over them. I know they're like walking that line where they're, 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 they're kind of, you know, they're attracted to Jesus, but they don't want to fully surrender everything yet. And I just found myself in prayer, praying that God's Spirit would move in their lives and the Holy Spirit would draw them to the Father. I have a lot of other scriptures. We'll put them on social media maybe if I remember. Maybe today you're sitting here and you're like, Ronnie, I don't feel like much of a warrior. And I laid down some of my armor a long time ago, but I I don't feel like a warrior. There's this quaint story. I love stories in the Bible, the book of Judges. There's this guy. He's the smallest kid in his family. And he's in what's thought of as one of the least tribes. And the children of Israel, the nations, how they were broken down. His tribe wasn't that important. And he was the smallest of them. And he's scared. The Philistines would come and ransack and raid. And so this is what he's doing. He's hiding in a wine press. Now what a wine press did is, uh, the Bible speaks highly of wine and so do I. Uh, Talk to me about it later. Um, They would trot out the grapes. They would fill this wine press with grapes and they would just step on them. And the wine would then... The, the grape juice would then go to be fermented. And it was um, elevated, and you would have to go down in there. And so this guy is so scared, but he has to, he has to, it's called threshing. So he has this wheat, okay, and he has to pick it up, and he throws it in the air, and then the heavy kernels fall, and the shaft goes just a little bit further down. And so that's where he is. He's hiding. He's the smallest guy, the most insignificant tribe. And he's hiding because he doesn't want the Philistines to come and take what he has. And he's hiding and he's in a situation where he doesn't feel significant. And he doesn't feel like he's worth anything. And he doesn't really feel like he is anybody of any importance. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord shows up, which I believe is a theophany, which is a fancy word that means that where Jesus shows up in the Old Testament. And it says that he shows up, and this is what he says to him. He said, the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. Like if I'm the angel of the Lord, I'm like, what are you doing hiding here? You're the mighty man of valor. You're hiding. You're the least. You're the smallest. Would you stop seeing yourself as the world sees you, as your ex sees you, as your mom or your dad sees you, as your boss defines you? And when you start seeing yourself as a mighty man of valor and a mighty woman of valor, and would you stand firm on the word of God that he has great things for you? Would you? 
Would you see yourself as a mighty man and a mighty woman of valor, fully armored and ready for battle, and stop seeing yourself as insignificant and hurt and scarred? Don't let other people define you because Christ Almighty paid too high of a price and he defines you as the righteousness of God. He defines you as a co-heir with him, giving you the same rights, the same privileges, and the same responsibilities as Jesus, the Son of God. That's who you are. That's good preaching. If you recognize that. We're a young church. We're still figuring it out. We have to see ourselves as Christ sees us. I have to have to see yourself as a mighty man of valor as a mighty woman of valor no matter the circumstance you're going through no matter the impossibilities that you face you're mighty let's pray thank you for listening if you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of audacity or support this ministry financially you can get more information at loveservego.com